Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of How Did We Not Know That? My name is Jack. And I'm Nat. And today, Nat is going to be presenting on a topic of her choosing. Yeah, today I'm going to be talking about the holiday of Juneteenth. Okay, so when this episode is uploaded, it will be June 19th. So yeah, I'm going to talk about the holiday of Juneteenth. And I'm actually super embarrassed to admit, but I had not heard of Juneteenth. Uh, until this year. I don't know, Jack, have you heard of Juneteenth? No, I did not know what it was till you told me you were choosing this as your topic <laughs> for the podcast. Until I texted you, yeah. It was actually my little sister who was talking about Juneteenth, so shout out to her. So, okay, I'm just gonna dive right into it. So, to set the scene, it's June 19th, 1865. And so Union soldiers led by General Gordon Granger arrive in Galveston, Texas, with news that the Civil War has officially ended and that enslaved people are now free. It's huge news, but this announcement is actually two and a half years after President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which had become official on January 1st, 1963. So by the time General Granger shared the news in Texas, the Confederate capital in Richmond, Virginia had already fallen, President Lincoln was already dead because he was assassinated on April 15, 1865, and the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery was already well on its way to being ratified. So the question is, why did it take two and a half years for Texas to realize that slavery is now illegal? Wait, this is just Texas? Just Texas. Yeah, just the state of Texas. And so when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued in 1863, the Civil War technically had not ended yet. So side note, the Civil War lasts from 1861 to 1865. Therefore, like, President Lincoln had very limited control over the Confederate States. So even though he declares, okay, we're abolishing slavery and enslaved people are now free, they're still at war with the Confederate States. So the Confederate States are kind of just like, um, okay, we're not gonna, we're not really listening to you. And basically there weren't enough Union troops to fight resistance in the region. So it really has no effect on those states. However, when General Robert E. Lee, he is the man leading the Confederate Army, so he surrenders to the Union Army in April 1865, and the Civil War is officially over. And so because of that, General Granger is able to bring troops to Texas and overcome any resistance. But there are several theories as to why it took so long for the Emancipation Proclamation to be enforced in Texas, 
There's a story of a messenger sent to deliver the news being shot on his way to Texas. He never, like, so he never makes it there. That's one story. Some believe that the news was deliberately withheld from enslaved people by their masters in order to keep their labor force on the plantations. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was like, uh, yeah, I would put my money on this A hundred percent, yeah. Others believe that federal troops had actually waited for slave owners to reap the profits of one last cotton harvest before going to Texas and enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation. So it could either be a combination of all of these reasons or it could be none of them at all. But regardless of the reasons for the delay, the fact is that slaves in Texas remained enslaved long after it was declared illegal. And historians estimate that around 500,000 slaves out of a total of 3.9 million slaves living in the U.S., had liberated themselves by escaping to Union lines uh, between the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 and the end of the Civil War. Even though technically slavery was illegal during that short time period, most of the slaves were, like, were they were still remained enslaved. Yeah. So a lot of them still had to risk their lives to yeah. liberate themselves. I don't see a lot of slave owners suddenly being like, well, we lost. Um, <laughs> you guys, it was great working with you. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I think that would be highly unlikely. <laughs> like, okay, thanks. Bye. Like, it's the law now. We must follow the law. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, actually, in 1862... So while the Civil War was still going on, so Union troops had captured New Orleans, and so slave owners in Mississippi and Louisiana fled to Texas in order to escape Union soldiers. Wait, escape Union soldiers or Confederate soldiers? They're escaping. The slave owners are fleeing. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so they basically bring more than 150,000 slaves with them to Texas. Therefore, at the time of General Granger's speech, it's estimated that there were approximately 250,000 slaves in Texas. So that's a huge amount of people who for two and a half years were enslaved when they really shouldn't have been. Right. It was illegal. Yeah, yeah. They, they should have been enslaved in the first place, but yeah, it was technically illegal. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really, really upsetting and really frustrating. Yeah, and so General Granger, he makes it to Galveston, Texas, and he stands in front of the townspeople, and he reads General Order Number 3 to the people of Texas. And so... I'm just going to read a short blurb of what he said. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere, unquote. So basically, he's like, hey, you're free, but also you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah, the government isn't really helping you. So, yeah. 
obviously this is monumental news and the reactions of enslaved people range from pure shock to immediate celebration. Many slaves would remain on the farms and plantations where they worked as a paid employee, while a lot of others just left immediately because even though they really had nowhere to go, they, many former slaves felt that leaving the plantation would be their first grasp at freedom. Yeah, that's like you, because you know a lot of slave owners refuse to teach them how to read and write, and yeah. now that you're free, that's another thing, like how do you support yourself now when you aren't, like this whole society has been built without jobs for you, and you haven't had the education to participate in it either yeah the whole system was built to oppress slaves and they had no access to education it was illegal for them to learn how to read and write and so yeah it's really upsetting (laughs) and so many slaves ended up going north because it represented true freedom while others went to reunite with family members in neighboring states such as louisiana arkansas and oklahoma So kind of we already mentioned this, but not everyone was happy to hear the big news and former slave owners and white supremacists in the area would react with extreme hate and violence. And so sadly, many former slaves were lynched by angry whites while others were still forcefully held as slaves. So a lot of people just said either withheld the information or forced them from leaving and life after slavery and settling into these new areas around the country brought in new realities for former slaves, as well as many challenges of establishing what used to be a non-existent status for black people in America. So yeah, basically, like we mentioned, you literally have to start from ground zero, you know? It's not even ground zero. It's like ground negative, right? Like ground zero is like you're born like and you have equal opportunities, right? You're born white in a white society and you can have access to education and learn how to read. Yeah. It's like negative that. It's like people are trying to keep you from your opportunities. They're going out and lynching you. Exactly, exactly. And so overcoming the confusion and delay of the Emancipation Proclamation as well as terror and violence that haunted their everyday lives Newly freed black men and women in Texas chose to celebrate the news of their freedom every year on the day June 19th. And so Juneteenth, which is short for, it's a mix of June 19th, Juneteenth. So (laughs) it was a way to celebrate that amazing day in history and would also serve as motivation as well as release from the growing pressures that quickly accumulated in their new lives. And these celebrations and festivities of Juneteenth was a time for reassuring each other and for gathering remaining family members that had kind of relocated across the country and also for praying together. And in the decades to follow, many former slaves and descendants of slaves would make the annual pilgrimage to Galveston, Texas on June 19th. So you might be wondering, how is Juneteenth celebrated? (laughs) That's exactly, I was just about to ask. (laughs) I knew it, I knew it, I could read it on your face, but (laughs) but yeah, the the focus of Juneteenth is family and being together as a community. And prayer services uh, were a major part of the celebrations and oftentimes the festivities would be held at churches 
there were readings of the Emancipation Proclamation, and I think it, it's really important to note that it also focused on education and self-improvement. Guest speakers were often brought in, and the elders of the community were asked to recount the events of the past. So it's a big focus on educating yourself through storytelling and through people's lived experiences. It was also just a way to have fun together. There are a lot of rodeos and fishing and baseball and huge barbecue pits where people would get together and just roast a bunch of really delicious meat. So as technology progresses, there would also be stock car races and also overhead flights and air shows. And specific foods became popular during these celebrations and some are actually almost synonymous with Juneteenth. And these include strawberry soda and barbecued meat. And so everyone would come to the celebrations and they would bring a special dish to share. And there would be beef, lamb, and pork, which were not usually available every day, but they were eaten on this special occasion. And dress was also a very important factor and is still taken really seriously today because during slavery, there were laws in many areas that prohibited or limited the dressing of slaves. And there are accounts that during the first few days of the emancipation celebrations, former slaves threw their ragged and old clothing into creeks and rivers and instead wore clothing taken from the plantations belonging to their former masters. And because of that, yeah, people dress up really nicely. And like, I don't know, I never would have considered, I don't know, you really take something as simple as being able to choose your own clothing and wear nice clothing for granted, so yeah. And in early years, there was very little interest in the celebrations of Juneteenth outside of the African-American community, especially in Jim Crow, Texas. Whites rallied around their own version of history in an effort to, I guess, glorify and whitewash past cruelties and defeats and acts of violence. There are accounts of Juneteenth celebrations being interrupted and stopped by white landowners that were demanding that their laborers return to work. And many whites would demonstrate their resistance by banning the use of public property for Juneteenth festivities. And so because of this, Celebrations were often held in rural areas next to rivers and creeks because it technically wasn't public land. However, as African Americans eventually became landowners, land would be donated to these festivities. So one of the earliest documented land purchases for Juneteenth was organized by Reverend Jack Yates, and his fundraising effort raised $1,000, which in today's money is $20,000, and it led to the purchase of Emancipation Park in Houston, Texas. Also in Mexia, Texas, the local Juneteenth organization purchased Booker T. Washington Park, which became the official Juneteenth celebration site in the year 1898. And for decades, the celebrations grew and they spread further across the country with every year. However, in the early 1900s, we see a decline in the Juneteenth celebrations because of economic and cultural forces. 
So the Great Depression, which we got to hear about in a former episode. Check it out. <laughs> but yeah, check it out. The Great Depression forced many people to move from the farms in rural areas into the cities in order to find work. And in the cities, employers were a lot less likely to give workers the day off in order to celebrate Juneteenth. And so unless June 19th fell on a weekend or on a federal observed holiday, there were very few participants available to celebrate together. And additionally, July 4th was already an established U.S. holiday that celebrated independence and a rise in patriotism would lead to a bigger focus on this holiday instead of Juneteenth. I guess some people thought, okay, if you want to celebrate your freedom, you should celebrate it on July 4th, our Independence Day. And I think a very, very important thing to note is there was also a shift in education from traditional home and family talk practices to more structured classroom and textbook education And because of less emphasis and less detail on the history of former slaves, kids became less interested and ultimately less educated on the reasons for celebrating Juneteenth Um, and what it was like to be a slave in the U.S. Oh, kids in the, like, black community. Yeah, who are being, yeah, who are in the classroom. And so, for example, classroom textbooks proclaimed that President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation issued in 1863 was the date signaling the end of slavery. But they don't even mention, you know, the delay, the huge two and a half year delay in Texas. And they don't talk about General Granger's speech on June 19th. And I had also, I mean, to this day, I think the same issue exists. I had no idea that there was such a huge delay. You you just think emancipation proclamation and everything's good now but um i felt it in my heart that they (laughs) definitely did not there's gonna be a delay with the ending of slavery but yeah at least we have some documentation in history that actually shows you okay this is actually what was going on for the two years and where everyone was migrating to exactly yeah i guess to go off of that i will so one of my sources is this PBS article, and there was a really amazing quote that kind of sums it up very well. So I'm just going to read the direct quote. So despite local committees' best efforts with each new slight, with each new segregation law, with each new textbook, whitewashing, and brutal lynching in the South, African Americans felt increasingly disconnected from their history so that by the time World War II shook the nation, they could no longer faithfully celebrate freedom in a land that still rendered them second-class citizens worth of dying for their country, but not worthy of being honored or treated equally for it, unquote. Very powerful quote. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's a really amazing quote. Uh, But then, flash forward to the civil rights movement in the 1950s and the 1960s, So we see a resurgence in discussing Juneteenth and more people begin to celebrate it again. So basically the civil rights movement had both positive and negative impacts on Juneteenth celebrations because while African-American youth were a little bit too busy (laughs) to celebrate because they were protesting and demonstrating, they would still show their pride for the celebrations in other ways. And so in the 
early 1960s, a lot of student demonstrators for the Atlanta Civil Rights Campaign wore Juneteenth freedom buttons. And most significantly in 1968, there was another strong resurgence in remembering June 19th because of the Poor People's March to Washington, D.C., and I don't, like, I don't remember learning about this specific march, so I'm going to give a brief summary. But basically, Reverend Ralph Abernathy called for people of all races, beliefs, economic levels, and professions to come to Washington, D.C. in order to show support for the poor in America. And because of this march, I guess people started sharing stories and they started talking more about Juneteenth again and um, as a result many of the attendees would return home and start Juneteenth celebrations in their home areas that maybe didn't have any celebrations before that and two of the largest Juneteenth celebrations were founded after this march and they're now held today in Milwaukee and Minneapolis. Yeah, and so finally, on January 1st, 1980, Juneteenth became an official state holiday in Texas through the efforts of Al Edwards, an African-American state legislator. And this marked the first emancipation celebration that was granted official state recognition. And after the passing of this bill, Edwards sought to spread the observance all across America, not just amongst the state of Texas. And since then, 41 other states, including the District of Columbia, have recognized Juneteenth as a state holiday or holiday observance. Yay! So not all 50 states, though, but still the majority. Yeah, still got some work to go. Yeah, the large majority of states observe the holiday. I do want to just include another side note. After the passing of Edwards' bill in Texas, the state of Texas would also reaffirm its commitment to observing January 19th as Confederate Heroes Day. Okay. <laughs> um, there's still progress that needs to be made, but... Yeah. So, let's talk about Juneteenth today. So, there are a number of celebrations are growing within communities and organizations throughout the country. And in recent years, several local and national Juneteenth organizations have been created in order to promote and cultivate knowledge and appreciation of African-American history and culture. The National Juneteenth Observance Foundation, founded by Reverend Ronald Myers, is committed to making Juneteenth a federal holiday because at the moment it's just a few, it's just state holiday. Like states are doing it. Yeah, but it's not a federal holiday yet. To clarify, just because um, I want to make sure like I have this right. So Juneteenth, June 19th, mm-hmm. like how did that like actually make a difference that specific day on like the slave status like was it completely outlawed from texas because i would assume that slave owners would still keep doing the same things that they were doing regardless so what made june 19th like significant and special yeah so basically general granger came in with the union soldiers and so he came with a like a big army and so they were there to specifically to fight any resistance any resistance against the Emancipation Proclamation. And I guess the reason why Juneteenth was kind of chosen as the day to celebrate emancipation in America is because it was 
Yeah, it was because Texas was the last state to be officially emancipated. Previously, people had debated which date are we going to choose? Are we going to choose January 1st, which is the date that the Emancipation Proclamation was issued? However, it's like New Year's Day and many other laws are passed on January 1st. And people were also like, well, okay, it was issued on January 1st, but there were still slaves in the U.S. for two and a half years. So let's choose the last date, the last emancipation date. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why June 19th was chosen to celebrate uh, the abolishment of slavery in the U.S. So then, yeah, because just Texas is big, right? So (laughs) even with the Union soldiers coming in, I'm sure that wasn't an overnight thing oh for sure and it's not like okay yeah like we were saying it's not like okay everything is all peachy now you go about your own life like the reconstruction period was extremely challenging for african americans in the u.s i can't even imagine how difficult it would be and so it takes decades for people to be able to establish a life and it affects not only former slaves and direct descendants of slaves, but, you know, generations and generations to come in the future. And it's it's not like, so while we do celebrate June 19th as the day to celebrate emancipation, I think, yeah, it's important to remember that there's still lasting effects to this day. And institutions such as the Smithsonian and the Henry Ford Museum have begun sponsoring Juneteenth-centered activities And actually, in the past few days, uh, I guess when I was doing my research, I saw a lot of news articles being written about Juneteenth because, yeah, it's coming up. Companies such as Nike and Twitter have announced that they're making Juneteenth a paid corporate holiday. Yay! That's awesome! Yeah, right? Because even in even in state holidays, it's not a paid uh, leave holiday. You know, it's observed, but... Yeah, I thought that was really amazing that those companies did that. And today, Juneteenth celebrates African-American freedom and achievement while encouraging continuous self-development and respect for all cultures. And I guess to kind of wrap up my (laughs) brief summary of Juneteenth, I wanted to, again, read another quote this time from Juneteenth.com, which was founded in 1997 by Clifford Robertson and it has a really great library of the history of Juneteenth and what life was like as a slave in the U.S., so you should all check it out. But okay, so the quote. So, as it takes on a more national, symbolic, and even global perspective, the events of 1865 in Texas are not forgotten, for all of the roots tie back to this fertile soil from which a national day of pride is growing, unquote. So I thought that was really sweet and really an amazing quote. And yeah, that basically sums up what the holiday of Juneteenth is, why we celebrate it. Yeah. No, I love it. Thank you. I This is literally the first time of me hearing about this. I, yeah, this is never brought up in my school, so I appreciate you. And shout out to your little sister for bringing it up so that we could cover it. <laughs> yeah. I was so surprised I had never even heard of this holiday and yeah, I think we should yeah, educate ourselves about it and spread more awareness of the holiday and Yeah, something to be celebrated. But we still have work to be done. So that's an important note. Yeah. But thank you. This was a heavy topic, but I'm glad we discussed it. Thanks for letting me talk about it and I had a lot of fun researching it. And yeah. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening to us talk about Juneteenth. Thanks for listening to another episode. And I guess don't forget to leave us a review. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. <laughs> Send us an email if you'd like at howdidwe.knowthat at gmail.com. We're just waiting for you guys. <laughs> so. Yeah. And check out our Great Depression episode as well. While you're at it, we'll put the link in the description. Share this episode with your friends who might not know about Juneteenth. And yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> This has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That. If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media, including YouTube, at How Did We Not Know That. If you thought our podcast was low quality, we know. We thought so, too. Help us improve the podcast by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening, and see you guys next week.